following sermon was delivered at the 1030 worship service at the United Methodist Church of Kent. Please enjoy. Together with the psalmist, the writer of Psalm 139, today we meditate and we pray. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. And depending on what we know about ourselves, what we're willing to acknowledge, how we're feeling or thinking about ourselves, being so intimately, so thoroughly, so completely known by another, maybe perhaps even and especially by God, may be for us either a comfort or frankly a concern. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways, even before a word is on my tongue. Even before I start to compose that tweet, even before I post that comment in that irritating person's feed, oh Lord, you know it completely. Uh Uh-oh. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, so high that I cannot attain it. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. I wonder, what does God discover while searching your heart, while knowing and testing your thoughts. If you are anything at all like me, then probably God discovers something of a mixed bag. I know some of my thoughts might be pleasing to God, while others, not so much. For the truth is that I am a mixed bag, or a mixed field, to borrow Jesus' image for today. Though it's often been said by different people and at different times to make different points that there are basically two different types of people in the world, yet today's gospel might give us some pause in supposing that we know who is which type. And in fact, more accurately, at least more truly to my experience, I wonder if there aren't so much two types of people in the world as there are two types of people in each of us. Well, as last week, our gospel for today comes to us from the 13th chapter of Matthew, this chapter of the gospel filled with Jesus' images for describing God's dream or the beloved community or what Matthew calls the kingdom of heaven. Last week, beloved community is like love being scattered all over the place, like seeds tossed onto hard ground and and rocky ground and thorny ground and and fertile ground, the sharing of it, the scattering of that seed, that love doesn't depend on the ground, on the ground's character or, or preparation or guarantee of a good return. No, instead the scattering depends only on the character and the generosity of the one who scatters it. Now this week, beloved community is like someone who plants good seeds out in their field. The seeds germinate, the seeds take root, and the seeds grow, but they are not the only things that grow. True to reality, or at least true to the reality of every garden I have ever tried to grow, weeds, that is plants that were not intended, grow in the field too. Should we go out and gather them, the farmhands ask, wanting to be good and faithful servants? Do you want us to go and and tear those weeds out? The weeds thereafter generally are thought to be a plant called darnel. It's a a plant that's related to wheat and a plant that that looks like wheat, a plant that has evolved to hide out among wheat. 
but a plant also that can be toxic to humans when too many of its seeds get mixed into the bread dough. Wheat farmers know how to deal with it relatively easily. They often uproot that darnel once or twice each year before harvest time so that they don't have to separate out the seeds by hand. And so the farmer's choice in Jesus' story today is, as it often is in parables, a strange choice, an unnecessary and a surprising risk. Let both of them grow together, the farmer says, the darnel and the wheat, or the weeds and the flowers, or whatever else we might be trying to grow. We may not have intended it, but it has a place in the field too. And besides, the farmer says, in trying to gather what you think are weeds, you might tear out the wheat as well. So better to just let them grow together. What Jesus seems to know is that it isn't always easy for us to tell which are the weeds and which are the wheat, which plants are the good ones and which plants are the bad ones, especially since most plants, like most people, can behave in both ways. In truth, after all, one person's weed may be another person's delightful little surprise. A violet, a clover, a buttercup, an aster, something growing where we didn't plant it. In fact, sometimes what we call weeds are just plants we haven't learned yet. And I wonder if that might be true in our perception of other people, too. We can be so quick to judge, and then quickly so certain about our judgments behaving as though we always know the difference between weeds and wheat, or who's wrong and who's right. Well, the truth is, we don't always even know what we are looking at. Recall Jesus' earlier teaching about our tendency to notice the speck in our neighbor's eye while entirely ignoring the log in our own. We don't always know the difference between weeds and wheat, Just because we did not intend to grow the plant that's now thriving out in our field does not mean that it should not be there. And even when we do know the difference, even when our discernment is aligned with God's and we can clearly identify a person or a system or a structure that is causing real harm, yet even then we don't always know how to help without also adding to the harm. Which is not, of course, to say that we should not care about evil that we should not address injustice, that we should do nothing to stop oppression in its tracks. Indeed, through the waters of our baptism, we have each been called and we have committed to resisting these realities in whatever forms they present themselves, both in ourselves and in our world. And so I don't think that Jesus is instructing us here today to pretend that evil or that real harm doesn't matter. Instead, what I hear him saying today is that as we resist it, as we actively and and passionately and persistently resist it, we should do so humbly, too, acknowledging the truth, the truth that all of our certainty, no matter how much, does not make us right. Just consider the uncomfortable reality of our history together as church, a history filled with examples of our certainty filled with examples of our attempts at weeding, yet causing real harm. For long stretches of time in church history, we were quite certain that women were not as capable as men and ought to therefore stay in their narrow lanes. 
We were quite certain that lighter-skinned folks were created to be superior to darker-skinned folks. We were quite certain that God had planned for European folks to uproot and weed out all of the people who were living in this land. We were quite certain that expressions of the Christian faith ought to look exactly the same everywhere in the world. And we were quite certain that our LGBTQ plus siblings should not be allowed to be fully themselves in our faith communities. And yet all that certainty did not make us right. Now, in fact, many of us are embarrassed that we held these views, and we are working now to try to heal some of the harm that our misguided weeding caused. Having judged some people to be weeds, we justify their removal from our fields, and we've all suffered for having done so. The church has suffered, our congregations have suffered, and we ourselves still suffer. We have all suffered through our careless, eager, weeding. Let them both grow together, Jesus says to us today instead. For Christ doesn't share our obsession with fields or yards or communities where the plants and the people are all the same. Christ doesn't want our communities to be looking like neat and tidy fields, having created this supremely good world as it is, with diversity and difference in staggering amounts, Christ knows better. God knows that nobody thrives, whether plants or people, nobody thrives when we're living in a monoculture. But then we might wonder, what about the real weeds? The real evil and injustice and oppression that are a part of our communities, part of this world, part of ourselves. Not just the, the things or the people or the viewpoints that make us feel uncomfortable, that, that stretch us, that cause us to grow, but the very real harm that continues to spread and thrive. Well, our work as people of faith, our task as co-laborers with Christ, as workers in God's field, our work is to heal and to repair to restore and to help. Our work is not to uproot people and tear them out. Because, friends, we are not God. Our judgment is not as true as God's. Not everything we think is a weed is a weed. And so if there is weeding to be done, it belongs to God and not to us. To God who searches and knows. To God who tests hearts in ways that we can never can. We don't know enough, we don't love enough, we don't care enough to judge rightly. And so we leave the weeding to God. The field, after all, the church, the world, our lives, after all, it all belongs to God and not to us. What has been given to us is to reconcile and to welcome, not to annihilate and exclude. What has been given to us is to live lives of goodness and generosity and justice simply but also publicly so that others can perceive in us the power of Christ and the peace of God and the life of the loving spirit who sets us free. So we do not ignore the harm, not at all. We resist the harm with every fiber of our being, but not by weeding out people, not by demeaning and dehumanizing our kin even when they are the perpetrators of harm. No, we resist evil with love. We resist injustice with reparations. We resist oppression by letting folks be free. 
We build communities where all people are encouraged to grow together, where we are free to take risks, where we are free to fall and to fail even without fear of being rooted out, of being told that we don't belong, with the absolute certainty that every one of us will be loved and nourished, no matter what, exactly as we are. That's beloved community. That's the kingdom of heaven, as Jesus describes. That's the field where God's love still is growing, where we are invited always to bring our whole beautiful selves, to bring our weeds, to bring our wheat, to bring our mixture of, of everything that we're made of with the assurance and the experience, not only that we are searched and known by God, but that we are loved and held by God too. Let us pray. Merciful God, you plant each and every one of us like seeds in the same good field, and together, together we are nourished and nurtured by your love. We sway in the wind, we're refreshed by the rain, we're blessed by the knowledge that we are known and held by you. So, O oh God, when we want to uproot others whom we believe do not belong in our part of the field, good Lord, forgive us. When we label others as good or bad rather than affirming them for who they are, good Lord, forgive us. When we are reluctant to acknowledge that we ourselves are a mixture of weeds and wheat, good Lord, forgive us. When we are too afraid to examine the fields of our lives, to notice what's growing there, good Lord, forgive us. O oh God, you know us inside and out. You know us through and through. You search us. You lay your hand upon us. You know what we're going to say before we speak. So we pray to you, O oh God, that you will encourage us to reach out, especially to those who have been uprooted and rejected, to those who are lonely and isolated, to those who are sick or hungry or unsheltered. We pray for siblings who are suffering now under the weight of addiction, for those who are grieving now, for those living in communities touched by violence or fear. We pray for your good earth, O oh God, a good earth now far too quickly warming, and for those most impacted by the effects of this warming planet. We pray to you this day for our community of faith, for Lee and for Hal, for Lang and for Sandra, for the Stowe United Methodist Church and for all your children everywhere. May we grow goodness through your grace in ourselves, in others, and in this world you love. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this edition of the United Methodist Church of Kent Sermon Podcast. For more information about the church, visit www.